Welcome to my podcast, Masterpiece and Mess. And this is your host, Madeline Wright. Here we explore unedited stories and journeys of growth, greater self-expression, and better well-being. Our stories can often be painful and less than perfect, and yet that is where the true power of storytelling lies, in the folly and bewilderment, to quote Hermann Hesse. This podcast is for honest conversations that are steeped in vulnerability and growth, hopefully creating a space for more honesty, more compassion, and a mirror in which to view ourselves as the masterpieces in the making that we all are, despite our messiness. Hi Kiki, welcome to Masterpiece and Mess. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. I look forward to the fascinating, to hear more about the fascinating work you do to help others create more abundance. So I'm just going to dive right into the questions and let you introduce yourself that way. Kiki, you are a wealth expansion author and facilitator, money alchemist Mm. and a wealth catalyst. Can you Mm. tell us what this means and what you do? Okay, yeah. So I'm Kiki Theo and my company is called WealthWorks. And uh, basically, my work is all about magic. It's all about believing in the impossible. And And it's about transformation. And I use money as a sort of portal into that. So I blend money and energy using my experience, both in the business world and in the transformational and healing world. And I've created to, to basically help people go to the next step along their journey, working not just in ordinary reality, but also in non-ordinary reality. So working with money as energy. So what I really do is what I've done my whole life since a child, which is to help raise consciousness on the planet. It's just that I work with business people, with business, it's not just, but you know, I work with business people, business, and with transformation linked to money and the wealth expansion journey. And also with processes that I've created, which are tools that people can use, both practical tools in day-to-day business, as well as energetic tools. Because it's one thing to even understand that you might have, say, a belief or an attitude that's preventing you from increasing wealth. But it's another thing to know what to do with that information. So, yeah, that's basically what I do. I have a series of books. I've got nine books I've written. I've got processing on MP3s. I've got courses. I've just delivered a wonderful Heart of Business course. And there's another course coming up, which is my signature work, uh, work which is Manuel, How to Contain Wealth, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, it's the first time I'm doing full online courses. I used to do a lot of live courses. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of the, the scope the scope of my work. And, and what I do, I also do some limited number of one-on-one sessions where I help people grow their business. And it's against the background of being in service, which I've been in since I was very, very young against the background of a lot of training in healing, in psychology, in Jung, mindfulness, spiritual paths. And I blend all that with an extensive business background, the bulk of it being, um, in my own fund management company, which I sold to successfully come and retire here by the Cape and live the dream. So I'm kind of not doing this full time. I'm, you know, it's it's kind of continues to be my service to the world, in a sense. Um, yeah. So amazing that's a intro. 
Very fascinating work. Um, you've, so you've written nine books on wealth expansion That's and right. you offer courses and wealth alignment sessions. Can you tell mm. me more about what inspired this work and who it's aimed at? Yeah, so I've just redone my website, which is tetitheo-wealthworks.com. I'm sure you're going to put that up somewhere. Um, and I was thinking about my audience, you know, who's my audience? And I was speaking to my husband, who's a, a healer and, a, and an artist, a body worker, and he's actually worked on some of my clients. And he said to me over time, he said, you know, your clients are different. They're very different. Even their sort of their energy field, their bodies, they're different. And so I thought about that. And my clients are people who are different, people who think differently about the world, people who have an awareness that there is a spiritual element to the world or a non ordinary element of the world people who don't perhaps even fit in and people who on the one hand are very successful in business um or are aspiring to be very successful in business but most of my clients certainly the ones I work one-on-one -on -one with are in very successful business um it's it's usually more men than women or sometimes a half and half which people find unusual <laughs> but I've always worked in the field of men uh, which was also unusual given my background and um, and um, so yeah my typical client is someone who is different and unusual and has a different way of looking at the world and so it's quite open to doing things differently because my whole approach to wealth expansion and creation is different it's it's going beyond the norm of you know this is what you've got to do I mean there's the very kind of muggle norm if we can now use this word um where you know you're doing your budgets and and physical stuff and then there's the extreme right where you just or left whichever way it is um there's this other extreme where you kind of just think positively and and do affirmations and there's a place in the middle where you you are cognizant of both but you now want to have a method tools to actually know how, what that means because you know everybody nowadays if you say money's energy everything's energy everybody's like yeah 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 everything's energy yeah you know and the scientific world has done a great job maybe of you know terms have been written about quantum this and zero that and you know how everything that people knew for millions of years suddenly it's now being scientifically proven but that knowledge itself doesn't help you to know how to navigate your life and how to create profit at the end of the month if you're running a business or your life, how to contain wealth. What does that actually mean? And how to, you know, it's very nice to say, believe in the impossible. And I, I mean, mine is believe in the impossible, not believe that anything is possible. But what does that really mean? How do you live that? How do you set up a I always say that my courses are wealth. It's like a wealth training program. I wrote and, and my, I say courses because it's books. My books are like courses also. So you start off with the first book, Money Alchemy, which is presenting money as energy. What does that mean? Presenting money as relationship, process of transformation, potential, teacher, and giving creative exercises. So the first jump to the left is to look at the world a little bit more creatively so you go from just looking at the left brain to engaging the right brain the place of writing drawing so we start with that and that opens the doorway to to the more to the more deep um 
energy work, which is the guided work that I do, where you go onto the level of energy, you go to the place, but how do you call it? The place between realities. And there you can reprogram your beliefs, your attitudes on the level of energy using symbol, using transformational tools that I've created and being fully conscious, it's not hypnosis. Um, and also then changing your money matrix on a very deep level, which then has effects in the outside world. So my energy work is not just about um, talking about money's energy. It's about giving people actual tools. And what inspired the work was your initial question is that, as I said, my whole life was about being on a path from a young age. I did counseling groups, I studied psychology, I've studied many healing paths, um, spiritual paths, mindfulness, seven years of Jung. And while that track ran from a very young age, I then went into business from the time I was 18 years old. And, and so I've got a lot of experience growing businesses from the ground up. So during the day, I would be in business. And on the weekends, you know, I'd be wearing long flow skirts and going um, to some or other crystal workshop or healing workshop or something like that. So I was learning things that I was then putting into practice in my day-to-day -day life because that's where I was living. And because the central core of my being has always been to be of service and to help raise consciousness on the planet. In the workshop that I just gave on the heart of business, I basically quoted Khalil Gibran's quote on work. And he said that amongst many other things, uh, the prophet um, said in, in Khalil Gibran's book, The Prophet, he says um, that work is love made visible was one of the things. And he said, it's to, it's to charge all things you fashion with the breath of your own spirit. So I started my whole course on the heart of business on talking about the authentic you and the fact that in business, we sometimes lose track of the fact that we are the core of the business. We are the business. The business is emanating from our energy field. So because that was always the case for me, I took things that I learned and I applied them in the workplace. So the end result of that is that I started to create a way of working which contributed to my success, I believe. So, and I, and I decided as I was in business, I thought I've got to write about money from as, you know, as energy, because everybody would ask me, you know, on the weekends, <laughs> what do you do? Oh, uh, yeah, portfolio management. What does that mean? Oh, I manage people's money. Um, oh, no, I need to learn. I need to learn how to do that. So I went from sort of doing it physically to doing it metaphysically and, and teaching people how to create an underpinning energetic, a belief system, an attitude, and to give them tools to use in their day-to-day -day life so that when you come across a problem in business, you don't just deal with it just uh, on the physical realm. So that is what inspired the work. I was inspired by people who had such good intention but were always broke. You know, the creatives, the... I haven't necessarily landed up having that as my client base. I do seem to always attract uh, successful clients in business, in big business, because I've always in a way dealt with that kind of demographic for most of my life. Um, but I do have a lot of, you know, coaches and therapists and people who, who read the books um, 
and who, I mean, literally I had breakfast with someone, uh, coffee with someone yesterday. It's a funny story who um, I go to bootleg. I walk from my house to my studio to do some writing along the sea. This was the dream. And, um, and I went into the, in, I go in and get a coffee. So I had a bag of my books because I was bringing books into my studio because I'd run out of books. And um, the person who is the manager at the, at the uh, coffee shop said, good morning. And just on an impulse, I grabbed the book and said, you know, here's a book for you and gave her the money alchemy. So I went off and next minute, she next day I went or the following day, she said, you know, there was somebody here, I don't know if you saw them, and they saw the book and they said, oh my God, you know, where did you get this book? This book has changed my life and this person is here from overseas and et cetera. So I said, well, give them my number. So next minute they contact me, we had coffee yesterday and it's amazing that somebody from Europe, you know, has got my book, has read my book and it changed their lives and, you know, and 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 here they are. Um, anyway, I don't know how I went on to that. What? How did I get onto that? <laughs> I'm not sure, yeah. but it was just uh, this. No, about who I wrote? Yeah, who I wrote the book for? That's right. Who I wrote the book for? And I was saying that um, you know, there's also people that are in the creative fields, therapists, people who speak energy, but they don't really realize and know how to apply that in the business world. There's this disconnect. There's this like business is here and it's a scary place for the scary money and the scary money making. And then here there's all the light and love and spirituality and oneness and all of that and rainbows and how to marry the two practically without just having a superficial like, what? you know, abundance, think of abundance. And I'm being a little bit whatever, but there's a lot of that going on. That's why I don't personally like to use the word abundance. Unfortunately, many of the good words have been taken up. Transformation, abundance, energy, everybody throws these around like confetti. And um, yeah, anyway, so so yeah, the books were written to help everybody really, but specifically the, the sensitives, the difference. The difference, is there such a word? Um, I can make up my own words because I'm an author, I always say that. People who are different, people who don't fit in, and I can say even my very highly successful clients who've got multi-million you know, dollar companies, they are different. They don't fit in. They have a different view of the world. So that's who my clients are and who um, I wrote for. Right. Um, there's so much in what you just said, uh, Kiki. I don't even know where to start. Um, and also what I notice uh, is a lot of talk these days suddenly I'd say in the last year or so about money being energy. Um, but I think you've been working in this field for a very long time and I've known about this and spoken about this for a long time. And mm -hmm. I think you've answered some of my next question uh, already, but maybe you can yeah, just talk a little bit more about um, the energetic aspect of your work. Yeah, well, on the subject of money's energy, I mean, yeah, I, I think I opened that portal in, my first book was written in 2007. And certainly no one was like, they were, but they weren't, you know. Um, it's one of the reasons I left my, my publishers, Penguin. Um, they published my first six books and I left them because they didn't quite get me, you know. They were looking for a South African Susie Orman. They were looking, they, they, it's, it's quite sort of, it's quite subtle, but a huge difference between, you know, um, 
talk well i mean she's very very physically based for a start you know um you know they wanted this kind of person from the highest echelons of the investment world and i quote you know um who bridges finance and metaphysics you know but i don't think one of them read my books any of my books you know and so um yes it is all going around man is energy man is energy but like i said to work energetically means to go into that space where i like to work is that space between conscious and unconscious just when things manifest and to work with image and symbol to transform i use image and symbol to transform energy and it's a combination it's it's hard to explain because it's quite unique to me because i created and nobody else works that way it's a combination of um you can say jung's active imagination um energetic transmutation which is basically typical for the um in the tibetan buddhist work as well as the um um what uh, the bond tradition the tibetan bond tradition they do energetic transformations i work with the elements there's some shamanic work involved um and it's it's really though rooted in my holding a space for that to take place whether it's with an individual or in a group and that's been my life training and that's what really underpins this work is my ability to to hold that transformation space so that people can transform which is why some people refer to me as a, a, a money catalyst and these words are also like mm, dramatic and like you know da -da -dum, you know and money alchemist but it is true you know um i'm able to ignite or to to twist that little thing that small detail always um that makes a very big difference yeah. and um yeah the energetic work is something to be experienced and it starts off by doing some of the the creative work in the books and the energetic work you do on course or in sessions um, my sessions are very sort of limited edition I have a group of people I've been working with for a decade um and yeah what can I tell you about it um it's it's amazing and it's transformational it's it's the kind of thing where you go and you do something there working with image and then things change in the outside world and you can't really put the two together um and even people who've worked with me for years you know will do something in session and then they'll go out and things have changed an obstacle's been removed or someone who wasn't paying pays or something goes away something's changed and they're like wow you know this thing changed and then I'm like yeah but we did the energy work oh yeah I forgot you know so the energy work is very powerful and it's it's not really unless you, you're getting the mp3 it's it's not really contained in my books my books are the sort of primer to to the work that is done on one-on-ones and and so on okay um yeah it's fascinating to me and I've been meaning to read your books I'm certainly going to they're on my wish list um, <laughs> I will <laughs> and it also seems to me that there is real tools um, that you're offering people and and ways to remove obstacles would I be correct in saying that mm. Yeah, how to remove, well, so so this coming course that I'm doing, which is starting on the 18th of July, I'm doing now another online course, because all the people on the previous one wanted to carry on, and containing wealth, you know, is is one of my signature sort of approaches, the container, the money wealth. So it's one thing to make money, but how do you contain money? It's not keep 
keep money, keep in inverted commas, contain. So what does it mean to contain? So I'm doing an online course starting on the 18th of July, which is for six weeks. Uh, it's on Tuesdays from um, five until seven South African time, which means the whole of Europe come, come in, the um, west side of, of um, Australia we had, even though it's late at night for them. And we also had uh, now the east side of America. So those people, and I think the west side can also at the, in that time frame. So it's two hours for six weeks, and I'm going to cover containment. What does it mean to contain? How do you create a container? And covering, working with that kind of metaphor, um, do you have a container? Is it big enough? Is it grounded enough? What about your parameters? Does it leak? And that will lead on to, I'm going to do a day course in November, as I did last November in Port Bay. So for those who want to come and do actual live, live, live. But that will also be streamed around the world. So, yeah, um, that's, I think you were asking about telling me, telling you more about the energy. <laughs> that is more yeah. about energy. It's yeah, about but containment. I... Yeah, beautiful. I was actually also going to ask you, my next question is what offerings you have right now that would interest people. So you've spoken about the 18th of July, the next course, the money mm -hmm. container course that's starting. And then the one in Coldplay, which is going to be a live one, but streamed. What is the date for that one? First of December. So, you know, I've always written from the first time I wrote the book, I sat in my studio and I was writing to this invisible audience that you know, for me, it was very real. And I, I've always worked as if, um, not as if, but I, I write for, for the people who are there, who are going to read it in another time and space. And then I think, well, what do they need next? And that's how I wrote the next book and the next book and the next book. So it's the same with courses. I give a course and I'm mindful of the fact that I've taken somebody, initiated people on a journey, regardless of where they are, whether they are not in business on this course. It was quite interesting because we had, had all the decades represented. It was quite weird. We had people in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, the whole thing. We had people who were already in very successful business and now wanted to go to like, you know, 100 million. And then we had people who were just starting business and people who were unsuccessful and people who had not even started business, who were looking to start business. Then we had people who have done my work, some of them from like the way the first course I gave in 2005. And then there were people who have just read a book and there are people who were completely new and had never come across my work. So that was the, the spread. So um, the other thing I wanna mention about my courses is there are no cameras and there are no chats. So people love that as well because I can't focus my energy because this is energetic work and hold the space while people are flicking around and waving about and writing notes. I can't do that. So I don't want to do that. And people loved it, that they could really focus in on the work instead of, you know, the constant distraction that one normally gets. And also confidentiality is a big part of my work always. So if people want to come on as Mickey Mouse and um, the cameras will be off and they can come on as Mickey Mouse. And because some people, although some people love to sort of advertise to the rooftops that they work with me, others want to keep it quite hidden because of who they are and things like that. So I'm very mindful of the journey and I'm, and I'm now like, okay, so we've done this. What do you need next to take you further? 
So I give space for integration because this course ended a few weeks ago. So it'll be three months that people can integrate all this other work. Then we do that work. Then there will be three months again, almost two and a half months before the day workshop, which will be on overcoming leaks and blocks to wealth flow, which will be covered in terms of the container, but not in terms of the actual wealth flow. The, the money wall is a very, very intense, powerful, powerful course because it gets you to examine all aspects of your life because central to my work is that everything is energy. And again, one of those generalizations that float around the world, but what does that mean? It means that everything exists by virtue of relationship and it means that everything is connected. And it means that one of my favorite sayings is how you do anything is how you do everything. So how you contain wealth reflects and is reflected on how you contain other aspects of your life, your dreams, your aspirations, your talents, your relationships. Now you're just one and it adjusts them all. So when we look at the, the, the containment course, the money well, we are looking at really reshuffling our entire life, as it is with all courses, but particularly, particularly this one. Um, historically, when we did the weekend manual course, people would go off and have the flu for seven days after that because of the amount of clearing that was done. I do try, I have a tendency to talk too fast, go too fast, cover six tracks at once and give a lot in a course. I'm trying to inhale, exhale and just to go slower, which is hard for me. So... Um, that is about the containment and the Manuel course and um, coming up in July, which is going to be awesome. Very, very, oh, very awesome. I, I really enjoyed doing it. Um, I was a bit like, but, you know, because I'm used to working with energy, I can I can still hold space while people are there and I'm not seeing them uh, and do energy work. So it's a combination um, of creative work, talking and and discussing various topics and then also um, doing energetic work. Amazing. I absolutely mm. loved what you said. How you do anything is how you do everything. That yeah. is a powerful That's statement. That's my teacher's number one statement. All my clients know that. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, it will stay with me. Um, I don't know. But if it's you true. You, sorry, you want to know how, how somebody's money is? Check. Check the contents of their drawers. Check how they do minor things. You know, um, I always say when you're interviewing someone, you want someone with attention to detail. Um, throw a tiny piece of paper on the way between sort of the door and your office if you're interviewing them in person and see if they pick it up. I mean, yesterday, this person that, that I had coffee with wanted to get a money well book. We went to my studio and they walked in and they looked on my shelf and now I've got three, and, and they said, oh, there are many different versions of your book. So this already tells me this person has attention to detail because there are. There's the, you know, there's the Penguin version, the first, first edition, second edition, then I had a first edition, second. So there's like four different kinds on this shelf. And the person picked it up instantly. So this is a person who has attention to detail. So I know that already, you know. So, therefore, you know, et cetera, et cetera, that's how they will do a job. Yeah. It sounds like a very exciting course. Amazing. Um, 
So how, how can people reach you or work with you? You've mentioned your website right in the beginning. I will also put that in the notes. Are there other ways yeah. people can reach you or get in touch with you? Through all and telepathic communication. No, um, they can write to me, kikiatmoneyalchemy.com. I mean, I don't know why people would be reaching me necessarily. I like to get feedback on, on the work. Um, you know, all my information's on my website. They can join my mailing list. It's very erratic that I send out, but I'm trying to sort of fix that. I do send out a blog like mm -hmm, once every pink moon. And um, yeah, if they want to know about the, the courses, it's it's all online. Um, so yeah, it's like kikiatmoneyalchemy.com or look on my website. I haven't got my social media done, um, so I'm not really... Um, very active there, but I'm trying to fix that because I'm one of those kind of hermity people who are hiding in the in, in the woods somewhere. Um, and I come out occasionally on request, even this course, I put it together because someone asked and, you know, so, um, yeah. Amazing. I'm, I'm, I kind of love the idea that you're not on social media or not very active. Um, because I think it's a misrepresentation most of the time and either way people are finding you Kiki because I think your work yeah, is incredible so I mean you found me and I don't even know how you found me I mean people do find me somehow they find me and um, somehow I can sometimes walk down the road and be like oh aren't you Kiki you wrote this book yeah I must tell you about the book you know and honestly it's like I mean I know a lot of people come to Cork Bay because it keeps being voted the coolest place in the world or something one of the coolest places in the world i wish they wouldn't because we're trying to hide out here and now everybody's coming but nonetheless um yeah and you know um you wanted to ask me um a bit about my my background which i'm happy to talk about if you want to yes you know. please yes tell us your journey <laughs> the history dun, dun, dun. you know it's always like all the authors have to have some dramatic traumatic past overcome it you know the hero's quest set off on a journey overcome the trials come back with gifts for the world that kind of vibe so um and it kind of sometimes i get tired of talking about it because it's like oh aren't there any people who had a happy life and talking of which i must tell you adam sandler i, I love comedy but he's not even one of my favorite comedians he recently got the mark twain comedic comedic award um and he stood on stage and he spoke about his childhood and he spoke about how he grew up in this in this family where everybody thought everything he did was inspired. They loved everything he did, whether it was that he joined the soccer team or whatever. They all thought it was, you know, he was marvelous. He had two sisters who adored him as well. A, an older brother who supported every step of everything he did, who went to all his matches, who, you know, pushed him to go into comedy. He then went to college and there he had roommates who also supported. And so he's had this life he met his wife who thinks he's marvelous and yeah so I was like amazed I'm like oh my god there's people there who had marvelous lives supported lives who didn't go through trauma drama and all the rest and good for them and isn't that flipping marvelous and aspirational you know um and did he create all the following marvelousness because he was used to everything just you know, everybody just thinking is fantastic, which is um, Rogers, um, Carl Rogers was one of the humanistic psychologists, and he had his whole approach is unconditional regard, you know, that 
that's that's his whole approach that you should have unconditional loving support and regard for your children and a therapist towards their patients and that's his whole approach that in that in that environment everything flourishes so that was quite quite amazing however my childhood was not <laughs> well, it's not like that so so yeah look my parents my mother and father my, my parents were uh, refugees from Romania they were Romanian Greeks and my father fled Romania in his late 20s mid to late 20s um, when communism took over with his two brothers and you know it's this whole dramatic thing of swimming rivers and escaping and all that and I grew up with a lot of Romanians coming to the house who had similarly escaped and gone on hunger strikes to get their wives and children out and so there were Romanians and there were Greeks in the house so um so he went to Greece so his father had been Greek but his mother was Romanian so he couldn't speak Greek when he arrived in Greece he could only speak Romanian he learned to speak Greek from uh, magazines and newspapers and, and movies and um, he met my mother who was also a refugee and um, also from Romanian Greek parents and they had me and then she ran off and had an affair and abandoned me at the age of two abandoned us so off she went and then for the next couple of years I was apparently looked after by people while my father went to work and um, bringing us to she, he divorced her she didn't come to the divorce so he got custody now at that time for him to get custody of me it's a big thing for a man to get custody of, of a child you know even today but particularly then so he then wanted to have a mother for me married my mother and they and basically absconded with me and came to South Africa. You know, he was not supposed to leave the country. So that was that. And now my so we grew up. We came here now, second time around. Now he comes, now he's only just learned to speak Greek and now he's got to speak English. So I grew up in Hillbrow, which at the time was where all the immigrants were. First place we lived in was a bachelor apartment. And then that became a one-bedroom for a long time. I slept on the couch. And then much later, I mean, really, I was about 14 or so when I had my own bedroom um and it's not like we were poor you know but we had a very very I had a very humble upbringing you know they my father worked my mother didn't and uh, we had food on the table and clothes but we you know they never had a car we never went on holiday except once we went back to Romania when I was about 14 and but my father I write an article about him even though we lived this very simple life, comparatively speaking, I have a whole article on my blog saying that he was actually a wealthy man because he could never get over the abundance of being here versus Romania and what was going on. He would always, uh, you know, he'd stand in macro and say, oh my God, look at this. Do you know what the Romanians, you know, would do if they could see all this food, all this plenty? So he, he lived, you know, as a wealthy man in this very simplistic, humble life. And um, he taught me about simplicity and he also taught me about believing in the impossible. He was the one who held the doors of possibility open for me because he would say things like, you know, of course there must be people on other planets, you know, can we imagine we're the only people here? I mean, it's, it's, it's impossible. What do we know, my child? What do we know? That was his favorite saying. And then he'd tell me about, um, a hypnotist in Romania who could bilocate and be in two places at once and give a show here and he was always there 
uh, he was also there. And then he wouldn't explain. He'd just say, what do we know, my child? What do we know? But now you must understand that he wasn't like on the side of that. He was a very logical, left-brain Virgo man. So this was not kind of like he was always, you know, he was some sort of esoteric fairy because he wasn't. So I grew up with a sense of anything is possible. You know, and I heard stories of Romania and how they would, you know, they they could cure, like they could regrow a finger that had been chopped. And my mother at one stage got kidney stones and she wrote, they wrote to the grannies in Romania and they got cherry stalks and she had to drink cherry stalk tea and um, drink glycerine and she passed the stones, didn't have an operation. So I grew up with this idea that, you know, magic is possible, you know, and that magic is the norm even, you know, even though they would never say those words. My mother was staunchly Orthodox, Greek Orthodox. When I started to be a reborn Christian and I went around, you know, having counseling groups and helping other children, because as I said, that's been my path. You know, I've got more training in counseling and, and holding spaces for people than anything else, because I've done that literally since I was nine years old. And she thought, you know, this was not on because only the Greek Orthodox and the Catholic religion are the true Christian religions. All the rest are cults. That was her belief. So, you know, I was sort of signing up with the devil as far as she was concerned. And um, and then on top of that, um, she was, you know, she was very abusive, both physically and emotionally. And that was, in a way, the norm, you know, spare the rod and spoil the child kind of vibe of the world she came from. But she was also, she'd had her own background and troubles so the thing that kept me going really was my connection with the spiritual world and my service to the spiritual world from a very very young young age but I needed to get out of there so the only way you leave home when you're a good Greek girl raised in a good Greek household is you get married you know and usually through an arranged marriage to a nice Greek boy from a nice Greek family you know and then you have nice children and you make baklava and you know, that kind of thing. So that was supposed to be, you know, I talk about my fate. My fate was not meant to be, you know, if, if you looked at where I grew up and the whole surroundings of that and where I am now, I mean, like you'd never imagine that that could happen because of, yeah, <laughs> it was not meant to happen. So so I left home, I married to leave home, um, not a good Greek boy. So that was bad enough, but at least I was, I was, I mean, I, I opposed a lot of things. Obviously you can imagine I'm a very spirited person. So I opposed the whole Greek tradition and ethos, which only people who are in these old cultures, the Greeks, the Jews, the Muslims, the Indians, they understand what it means to oppose and break out of that. It's, it's a whole, it's not an easy thing to do not an easy thing to do you also have to break your own mindset around what is good and proper and what is not so i broke out of that married a non-greek and we started the first business and um that was in in the powerful business um servicing the construction company and it was a very big business we made a lot of money we started from scratch we ran around handing brochures on, putting brochures on cars. I mean, so when I say I know how to start a business and grow a business, I'm kind of done everything from the ground up. And I think it's important, you know, when you are going to someone to help you, coach you, there's a gazillion coaches out there 
I think it's important that they've done what you're going to get coaching for. You know, it's 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 no point going to a tennis coach who's never played tennis. And doing a course on it is not the same thing, you know. So and I say that not because I want to put myself above the whoever, but you know, there are just literally so many people who have not made money, who have never been in business, who are telling trying to tell people how to do that. And you can't, you really, really can't, because unless you've come to the end of the month not knowing how you're going to pay your bills and have to go out there and make a plan. Even people coming from corporate don't have that, how can I put it, background, first of all, because you, you're kind of not just speaking words to people of knowledge, but you're holding a space to say, you know, I've, I've been there, I've done that. So yeah, we started, we grew this business, lots of money, big house on an acre, drove the first seven series BMW in the country. It was very nice, 733i. And um, and then he went and swore at someone, you know, the road rage thing. I mean, he was quite volatile and he got punched. He went into a coma, brain damage, in and out of mental homes and all of that. So that was a not very exciting interlude during which I discovered that we were in debt and all the money that, you know, we had huge work, um, showrooms filled with power tools and they were all on consignment and they all needed to be paid and he had never paid tax and yeah so there he sat and there I then spent two years paying off the debt and asking my father to then liquidate the company because he was he put in some money at some point so then I went from there from that whole big expansive life to um starting over again with a little beetle and a little bachelor apartment. And at that time I discovered the Buddhists and I went to on a Buddhist retreat and I sat under a tree and I was working as a telemarketer for a portfolio management company, which I then some years later bought and owned. Um, and I went on a retreat, met the Buddhists and I sat under the tree. It wasn't a body tree, but sat under a tree and I made a list of what I wanted because I my, my mission always was to help raise consciousness and I wanted to do that sort of exclusively even though it's underpinned all my clients and everything I've ever done you know I'm always doing it with that in mind <clears throat> so um I wrote a list of what I wanted in a fabric covered book which I've still got and it was like started off with new bedside lamps and duvet covers and it went on to a house fully paid for with all contents and CD sports, a baby grand, a million in currency. And that was a list. And I was like, more or less. And I was like, okay, so if I get all that, then I can go off and teach and heal and, you know, help make the world a better place because I didn't want to be one of those esoteric people who are always broke. So it, I wanted to do that within five years. Well, it took 10. And what I talk about in my courses and in my approach is find out where you are and find out where you're going. Everyone's very hung up on how to get there, how to get there, how to get there. You know, we must make a plan. We must have a budget. I'm not, I'm not slamming budgets. I've mentioned them before on this talk, but you know, if you don't know where you are and you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there. The how to get there, the universe can sort out for you much better than you ever will. Now, if I had sat there and someone said to me, you know, this company that you're working for now, you're going to own it and you're going to like own a portfolio management company and then you're going to sell it for many millions and then retire happily ever after. I would have laughed, you know, it's like, there's no way as I could have imagined that, you know, that that's how it was going to play out, but that's how it played out. 
And so a decade later, there I was, I had everything on the list and more. And le voila, here I am. And when I sat down writing, um, well, it actually didn't happen. I didn't start writing. I actually imagined I would be teaching, I would be doing some form of healing because I'm trained in, you know, you name it, yeah, from crystals, body alignment, body talk, Reiki, um, gosh, music. I've done quite my, uh, sound therapy using the voice is my big thing. A lot of modalities, some that I've even forgotten. So given all that training, I thought I'd be like doing healing work. But what happened was that one of our neighbors wanted input because they were having a problem with their retirement annuities and whatever. And and I basically inspired them and said, listen, you know, they, they were like feeling quite nervous because I couldn't ask the, the person who was selling them this policy. They didn't know what was going on. And they felt sort of very uncomfortable speaking about it and asking the person to tell them and to explain. And I'm like, no, you employ them. And then, so I gave like a whole lot of input, shifted the person's perspective. And they were like, this is amazing. You've got to like show other people how to do it. So at the time, when I sold my business and I came to Cape Town, the dream was to, you know, live this dream by the sea. Um, I also then got married and had children, which hadn't been part of my plan, but obviously it was the universe's plan. Having sold my business, I went back into business because, I mean, you panic. You're like, what am I going to do now? Which is why I wrote a book called Wealth Journey, which is all about where you are, where you're going, how to get there, and what to do once you get there because <laughs> the reason why so many people for example win the lottery get the money blow it is because they don't have a container number one and they don't know what to do once they get there and and there's quite a lot to consider once you get there so anyway i panicked in a way with my ex-business partner and we started another business in it recruitment business which was the most awful boring business ever as far as I was concerned and um, which we then sold to the staff which went on to become the top you know business in in the country or something um, so I did that and the healing um, is what I thought I was going to do but following this he he worked he's an editor of a magazine and he said you know I'll place an ad for you and I was like in between you know should I write should I this and that what should I do and I said yeah like you know whatever so Place an ad, next minute somebody arrived and I was like, oh my God. So then I'm now doing coaching, which I don't like the word coaching because I do more mentoring. I don't do the sort of coaching from the point of view of letting the person find out, you know, and empower themselves with what they should be doing. Because, you know, honestly, if, if they knew what they should be doing, they wouldn't be sitting there talking to you. And if people come to me for business advice, I'm not going to sit and waste their time saying, well, what do you think it should be? And how do you think you should like to approach it and all that? So I basically give advice. I'm like, okay, this is what's happening. I use my experience as well as my intuition. And I could be saying that person, they've got to go. You've got to do this. You've got to do that and so on. So um, this person came. I started sessions. They referred people. They referred other people. And that went on. And then I decided I was going to give a course. So I gave a course and I gave quite a few courses and then more people wanted to do it. And then it all built up because I'm very productive. So next minute I was like very busy and I was like, nah, 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 I'm supposed to be sort of semi-retired, retired, whatever. And so I pulled back from all of that and I said, no, I'm going to go and write. 
So I stopped the courses, stopped the coaching. I said, fine, I'm going, I'm writing. And so I then started to write the books. And I wrote the first book, I wrote the second book. And so it's continued. And, and the thing was, I wanted to see whether what had worked for me, because at that time I knew what had worked for me and I created a sort of process, but it hadn't been tried out on enough people to know, will it work for other people as well? Because, it, you know, I have a few books on wealth creation here. And a lot of people, I mean, there's a book by this wonderful British man called How to Get Rich. Um, and he shares his experience, but it's kind of these generalized things where like, you know, employ people who know more than you. And there's this, these kind of generalized statements of like, well, I did this and this and this, you know, I, I, I wasn't rich and then I became rich. And, but there isn't like a process down to the detail of what is, what do you do? You wake up in the morning, what do you actually do? And how do you deal with situations? So that's what I believe in the little detail. It's always that one small little detail that can create a huge shift. So, um, and my skill is being able to see that little detail in a company. I've done work where I go into a company to, I, I don't do a lot of, I don't really do corporate work. I, I just, I like to hide in my, I'll do it occasionally for clients where I'll train their staff or give them input, but I can do that without going into business. So I wanted to see whether what I had, what had worked for me will work for other people. And I'm glad to say that over the last, whatever it is, 15 years that this has been going on, books and courses and whatever, um, that, yeah, it produces amazing results. You know, the book itself seems to really, when you go through the exercise in the Money Alchemy book, it creates a huge shift. I mean, it's infused. The book is energetic, all the books. They're infused with huge intent. And like somebody said on this last course, somebody said it was like going into a portal, which it is because... There's a space that's been created, um, the space I hold, and it's been fused with the space of expansion of all the people that have done the work across the years, which are many people. So, yeah, that's uh, my background, and uh, more or less. And, and yeah, and, and I now have a new husband who's marvelous, and uh, two children, and three cats, and we live this beautiful life overlooking the sea. Um, yeah. That's all I can see. And, and also key to what I teach, though, is that um, find out what you need and what you want. Don't spend your life pursuing the whole materialistic world that's presented to us as being, you know, where we're going. We're not all trying to become the Kardashians. Nobody really wants that, actually. But you get given a sense of loss. You know, if you just have a moderate life and you are paying your bills and you're not in debt and you've got a nice house and a nice car or two and you put your children to school and you have some nice holidays you know you're kind of supposed to be feeling like a little, little bit of a failure because you know why don't you have eight Lamborghinis and traveling in a private jet is the way the world presents to us all flipping day long and it's very annoying because in truth no that's not what we all want and that's not what most people want but we get confused we get sucked into this kind of I don't know greed factor you know uh, you've got to wear this label you've got to have that you know the, the sort of I don't know so central to what I teach is to find out what you want I could have carried on in business three years after our restraint ran out you know we had a restraint for three years 
my ex-business partner went back into the business, invited me to go back into fund management. They now grew that business from what we had hundreds of millions and they now got billions. But that's not that's not what I wanted to do. I don't want to rush around all day long, fly around, see people all day. I want to wake up in the morning, walk casually along the path along the beach, go to my studio, do some writing, see clients a couple of days a week, every second week, meet my husband for breakfast, lunch or dinner, you know, live a moderate life, touch wood, I don't have debt, everything, you know, I own is paid for, you know, and yeah, and that's the life I wanted to lead or I want to lead and I am leading. And yes, do I get tempted? Every now and again, I think, hmm, maybe I must up the ante. Maybe I also need to go and live on Clifton Beach. Um, but then even, even if I could, you know, um, I wouldn't really want to because it's too busy, it's too loud. People are always renovating there and it's too noisy. So this suits me, the slightly bohemian place that I'm living in. I live up a hill, I've got trees all around. It's a bit like living in the countryside. Uh, it's very quirky and different, which suits my psyche. I talked about that. That's the last thing I'm gonna say. That business and the way you do business should, should suit your own personal beingness and psyche. You know, some people are plodders, some people work in spasms like I do. You know, it's got to do with your body type and you would know about with your blood sugars and stabilizing the blood sugars but um it's also got to do with the fundamental type you know i'm never going to be a plodder i can't do the same thing every day all day you know so you've got to find what works for you and also in business you've got to find whether you are the the front moving person which normally people are in business because they want to do things their own way so groupies mm, not so much you know <laughs> And then there are people who support the forward-moving person. So you've got to find out where you are and structure your business accordingly. I love that. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And whether you need to work sort of like I do. I do like um, three and a half days of sessions. And then that's every two weeks. Then the next week or the days in between, it's my own time. I write, I do whatever I or I don't do whatever, or I lie in bed and read a book, or or anything for that matter, or go away, or, you know, um, now you might say, well, can you do that in normal business? Well, particularly today, when everything's gone half online and half offline, uh, I think you can, because also people lose track of why they're in business. You go into business thinking, oh, you're going to have all the time in the world to do what you like. You'll end up working six times longer and harder than anybody else which is necessary, by the way, at some point. You can't go into business thinking you're going to shwank off for half the day and paint your toenails and everything will be through because it's not. But if you don't get off that treadmill in time, mm, it's a problem. Yeah. I like that so much that we have to um, figure out who we are and what we want. Mm. What is it yeah. that we need? And yes. then, um, then you can go from there. You know, those are the first steps. Um, Kiki, I'm yeah. mindful of your time. There's so much in what you've shared with us today um, to process. I'm certainly going to listen to this episode a few times to try and get as much out of it as I can. Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for, for you making time for me. 
I'm going to share your website address in the notes. And I hope you have a magnificent day ahead and we'll be in Thank you. Again. <laughs> I almost I almost didn't attend the session because I woke up and my shoulder blade was stuck. And um, I thought, oh, you know, this is how I get the stuck shoulder blade. So I decided to put on Santana. I thought, can my shoulder blade withstand Santana? And it couldn't because I love to dance. So I danced and here I am. Wow. <laughs> That's beautiful. Thank True you so story. much. True story. Yeah. I believe in dancing. It's, um, I used to suggest it to my consultants to help them with their sales. That's so, so interesting, yeah. It's a fully uh, practice of full embodiment, and right, yes, yeah, mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I wrote this little. I've got. I've, I've brought some books to show. So, so this is the, the the money alchemy. I mean, this is the first edition of of um, that peng, uh, penguin produced. I just had some in the drawers because they're in my studio. And then this is the relationship alchemy, which is all about money and relationship. And then this little book, the little conscious book of, of selling, um, I wrote for a client because he kept sort of wanting to, uh, he kept buying these online courses on selling and, and being given the most hideous advice. And I said to him, you know what, I can't listen to this anymore. I'm going to write your book on selling. And he said, just like that. I said, yeah, just like that. So I started that afternoon and I wrote him this little book and it's all about, you know, what sales really is for, I suppose it sells for introverts because I'm an introvert and, um, it's not this like bolshy people don't want to sell because they think it's just like loud bolshy going out there saying these ridiculous things that they suggest on some courses and um it's not and it's a dance is the point i'm getting to and uh it's a dance and if you can dance well you can sell well yeah. um you know Addison park <laughs> has a song uh called uh, am i wrong and um says am i wrong to believe <laughs> Yeah. Am I long to assume if she can't dance, she can't ooh? And I've often wondered about that myself. Um, but that's another story and not to do with money. But still, I think if you can dance, you can and, and you can apply that, uh, you can do great sales, even if you're an introvert. Yeah. Sales for introverts. Yeah, that sounds like a very useful book. It is a very useful book. It's it's a it's a it's called the Little Conscious Money Book of Selling: How to Increase Sales Effortlessly Without Jargon, Tricks, or Elevator. This elevator pitch, another annoying thing. You should be able to tell people in an elevator in two minutes. Uh, you know, and we and everyone believes that. You know, and no, 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 no. It's about establishing a relationship. It's about it's about connecting. It's about it's a service. It's a service. It's about sharing your energy with someone. Yeah. You know. I like that you are breaking down um, all teachings that people have just become very attached to. You know, this is the way to do it. And then they expand on that. And whoever else writes anything new is just an expansion of the old teaching. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those teachings need to be broken down and, and reinvented and something else completely from a different point of view um, mm. can be far more helpful. Yeah, very good. I've done a lot of selling in my time, so that's something I can really talk about. You know, mm. I, I, so I believe experience is is key. You know, I mean, if you want to talk about selling, you should have done a lot of selling in your life, and you know, I mean, and I've sold from power tools to 
portfolio management to companies to whatever. So, but the principles remain the same. It's the same as manifestation. If you can manifest a parking, you can manifest, you know, a million or 10 million. It's exactly the same thing. It's just people get confused. The zeros confuse people. I love that. <laughs> That's amazing. Thank you. I am going to buy money alchemy that's where i'm going to start thank you for your time kiki You're welcome. Uh, i love this conversation and we'll be in touch i'll keep following your work and i really appreciate you being here today you're very welcome thanks so much bye bye what an enlightening conversation with kiki theo i've always felt personally but also culturally that speaking about the creation of wealth and abundance is such a taboo subject. I liked how Kiki articulates that money is energy and that her work incorporates creative tools such as image and symbols to delve deeply into the creation and attraction of wealth as well as how to contain wealth and abundance. What really struck me is that Kiki has successfully fused both the physical and metaphysical in her body of work which has historically always seemed to be viewed and approached separately. It is good to see that there are more and more practitioners like Kiki who embrace both. Energy is a much discussed topic nowadays, especially around how energy can help us get unstuck and get what we want. I myself am fascinated by energy work and dedicated to learn as much as I can about it. There seems to be a global awakening and understanding happening in the world around how we can harness energy and Kiki has been a front runner in this work. She makes a unique and creative contribution in this field. I especially loved her philosophy of how you do anything is how you do everything. I will contemplate that for quite some time to come. To learn more about Kiki's wonderful courses and books, all of which are available online, you can navigate to her website www.kikitheo-wealthworks.com If you enjoyed this episode, please consider rating, reviewing or sharing it. Thank you for listening.